Hey, this is Mike Boddington. You're listening to the Core Life Training. What is it? Core Life Training Podcast. Of course it is. With Jeff Olson. Hey, what's up, my friends? It's Jeff with the Core Life Training Podcast. I want to welcome you to episode number four. I had a week off last week for spring break. Got to watch some softball. My girl Allie playing some softball. Got to hang out. Got to get ahead on some studies that I've been doing. So I did take a little bit of a break from the podcast. Sorry about that, but glad to be back and uh, glad you're here too. Hope you had an awesome week and hope you had an awesome Easter as well. In this episode, what I got for you is a question from basically every single core life training class I've ever done. So like literally in every class, somebody asks, hey, what's up with all the different English Bibles that are out there, right? There's a ton of translations. People want to know why there's so many. And what's the difference with them all? That's a great question. Uh, This is actually one of the most commonly searched questions about the Bible on Google as well. I want to take a crack at answering that one. This week's metal moment is coming from a totally awesome three-piece band out of Portland called Disenchanter. I love these guys. And this episode's drink of choice is Into the Void Imperial Stout from my best friend Lenny Martin's Kegerator. So before we get started, I want to remind you that you can be part of making this podcast rule just by giving us questions about the Bible. So as you're reading along or you're doing some study, and you have questions, you can drop them on our Facebook page, or you could email them to me at jeff at corelifetraining.org. That would be awesome. And also, if you're digging the podcast, would you please leave a review on iTunes to help get it noticed by the rest of the world? That would be totally sweet of you to do, and we'd appreciate that a ton. All right, now, so let's get started. Why don't you grab a Bible, grab a notebook, and grab your drink of choice, and let's get down to business. Right on. So when you think about English Bibles and all the different translations out there, it sort of feels like we're on a little bit of initials overload, right? So you have like the KJV, the NIV, the ESV, the NASB, the NLT, the NKJV, the RSV, etc., etc., etc. And the two big questions that I always get about Bible translations are number one, why are there so many freaking Bible translations out there? And number two, how do we choose which one is best for us? So let me take a crack at answering both of those real quickly. Uh, So the first question, why do we have so many Bible translations? Well, one reason is because language changes over time. So originally, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in Greek. So what happened was, eventually, the Hebrew language gets lost, right? And the Jews that are reading the Hebrew Scriptures need the Bible, like, in their own common language. So in about 250 B.C. or so, Uh, The Old Testament gets translated into Greek, and this translation is called the Septuagint. Uh, And it gets translated into Greek because that's the common language of the time. Well, as languages do, Greek eventually gets lost as well as the common language. And so in the end of the 4th century AD, uh, Jerome translates the whole Bible into Latin because Latin is the language of the day. Just fast forward to like 1382 in England, and Latin is long, long gone as a common language. But for some dumb reason, the church is still using it in like church services and for doctrine and things like that. And a guy named John Wycliffe comes along and says, listen, man, like uh, real English people need the real Bible, like in their real language. And so he begins to translate uh, the Bible into English and he gets in a lot of trouble with the Catholic Church over that. And ultimately, a friend of his finishes that translation after he dies. So uh, a few hundred years later, in 1611, King James in England decided he wanted one English Bible for his church now that he's the king of the church. And so he commissions what is known as the King James Translation. And over the next few centuries, the English language changes as well. So in 1885, we get the revised version. 
of the English Bible. And in 1901 in America, we get the American Standard Version. And then throughout the 1900s, we get lots and lots of different translations in order to really keep up with the changes of English language. Like we all know that, you know, words that used to mean something way back in the day definitely do not mean the same thing today. So as language changes, English Bible translations change to keep up with the way that language is being used. So that's one reason we have so many different English Bibles. Another reason is because different English Bibles use different translation philosophies. And all that means is different English Bibles are aiming at a different goal. So like on one end of the spectrum, you have translations that are trying to be a little bit more word for word. And so what that means is translators are trying to be careful to give uh, equivalent English words for like each Greek or Hebrew word in the original text, right? So trying to make more of a one-to-one equivalent translation as closely as possible and still have that make sense in English. So um, translations like the New American Standard or English Standard Version, these would be more word for word. And what's great about these is they tend to be pretty accurate uh, to like the original words and the original grammar of the original text. What's difficult about these maybe is that they're a little less smooth to read in English than other translations. So on the one end would be like word for word translations. And on the other end would be something like a thought for thought translation. Now this kind of translation is really trying to communicate the overall sense and meaning of the original words and sentences, not not just try to give like an equivalent word for each original word, right? So often these translations will include or add extra words that aren't in the original text, or they'll shift grammar around a little bit to help it make sense in English. And what is great about these Bibles is they're really a lot easier to read in English. They read a lot smoother. One difficulty about these kind of translations is that you're not always sure when a change is being made or an addition is being made or a transfer of like a grammatical construction is being made in the translation. The NIV would for sure be the most popular thought for thought kind of translation. Now, if you wanted to get an idea of the range of the different kinds of translations out there, you could get on something like Bible Hub, and then you just pick a verse that you are interested in. So like search Romans chapter one, verses 16 and 17, and then pull up like five different translations. And I'll give you five that you could pull up to see a really good idea. On the word-for-word end, you could get Young's Literal Translation, and then you could get the New American Standard Bible. On the thought-for-thought end, you could get the NIV, the NLT, the New Living Translation, and then you could even compare Eugene Peterson's version called The Message. And as you read each one of those, you'll notice on the one end, uh, things don't sound nearly as smooth in English. And on the other end, they sound amazingly smooth in English, and you'll get the range of how translations are coming at these different philosophies, right? So those are two main reasons why we have so many different Bible translations out there. One is because language changes over time, and another is because there are different translation philosophies involved. And maybe a third reason, and this has a little bit less to do with translation specifically, and has more to do with marketing. So there's men's study Bibles out there, and women's study Bibles out there, and teen, and singles, and married, and athletes, and short people, and big and tall Bibles, like they're all over the place. And what you have in each of those Bibles is maybe the same translation. So like an NIV Bible will be marketed to all kinds of different groups. But what you get is different notes and different articles that are trying to help specific groups, right? That's that's really a marketing issue more than it is a translation issue. 
So that's another reason why we have so many English Bibles out there. So how do we go about choosing an English Bible? Uh, Well, one question you have to ask is, what is your purpose for getting this Bible? So for example, is this Bible going to be like your study Bible? Are you going to be paying close attention to the details of like vocabulary and grammar? Or is this going to be more of like your reading Bible if you're doing like a Bible read through and you're going to be reading big chunks at a time? So one question to ask is a study Bible or a reading Bible? So if you're looking for more of a study Bible, I would get something that's a little bit more word for word. So like my English Bible that I use all the time is the New American Standard. I think it's a really great translation. Uh, English Standard Version would be another great uh, study type Bible that's a little bit more word for word. And if you're doing like your Bible read through or uh, you're doing longer chunks of reading, you might pick something like the NIV. That's a great reading Bible as well. So one question is, what is the purpose for the Bible? And a second question is, what are your values? So I'm a Greek and Hebrew guy. I spent a lot of time in Bible college and seminary studying that stuff. So the details of vocabulary and grammar and all that kind of stuff really matters to me. So I I like those kind of details to be reflected in my English Bible. You may not care about those details the same way I do, and that's totally fine. But those are a couple of different things to think about when you're choosing an English Bible. All right, dig it. I hope that's helpful as you think about English Bibles, why there are so many English translations, maybe the one that you use and why you use it, or if you're looking for a new English Bible, Uh, Maybe that'll be helpful for you as you think about that too. All right, let's get on with this week's metal moment, right? So this is a band that I totally love out of Portland, Oregon, a band called Disenchanter. And I can't remember the first time that we saw these guys live, but we've seen them a ton around Portland. They're always great every time we go see them. The last time we saw them was at the world-famous Kenton Club here in Portland, Oregon. And uh, if you've ever been to the world-famous Kenton Club, Uh, you're not really certain what it's world famous for. Like it's uh, kind of a dive bar off the side of a street. Uh, Lenny and I found out that they might be world famous for their tater tots. Man, their tater tots were crispy and salty and just were totally tasty and ruled. Uh, I'm not sure if Disenchanter would describe their music this way, but for me, it's a little bit like Wizards and Warlocks metal. And that for me brings two things that I totally love right together. So I'm totally down. So I'm going to play my favorite track off their record, Strange Creations. This track is called Sorceries. Fair warning, it's like 11 minutes long. So you are definitely going to need a drink of choice. You're going to want to sit back and you're going to want to crank this one right up.
All right, man, that was Sorceries from Disenchanter. And if you hung all the way through that, man, you know that totally rules. I'm going to leave a link to Disenchanter's Bandcamp in the show notes. You should go buy their music. You should get their swag, their merchandise. And, man, if you want to see them live, you should hit me up, and I'll bring you with me the next time they're here in Portland. All right, right on. So now this week's drink of choice is Into the Void Imperial Stout. And let me just say this beer was born out of a love for two things. Number one, it was born out of a love for the Abyss. The Abyss is Deschutes Brewery's yearly stout that comes out. It's one of the most amazing things I've ever tasted. Love getting older bottles. You're going to spend a fortune on it, but it's so great if you can get bottles from years past. My best friend Lenny and I, we love the Abyss. And on the other hand, we love Black Sabbath. And we, as we were thinking about ever dreaming up having a brewery of our own, it was going to be Black Sabbath themed. And so one of our favorite Black Sabbath songs is Into the Void. Uh, We were going to make the Wizard Imperial IPA. I mean, we had all kinds of Black Sabbath name stuff. So there's the inspiration for Into the Void Imperial Stout, the Abyss and Black Sabbath. And a couple of years ago, Lenny and I looked up a clone recipe for the Abyss. And we ended up brewing a batch and it basically totally sucked, right? But Lenny is stuck with this thing and he produced a batch that isn't exactly the Abyss. I mean, like, because like what is exactly the Abyss other than the Abyss? But it's totally a legit Imperial Stout anyway. And last night he brought over a growler for us to sample. It's on tap in Lenny's basement right now in his kegerator and it is so nice. Too bad for you, you can't get any, but we can and we totally dig it. Okay, so that's it for this episode. Be sure to check out the Core Life Training Facebook page where you can find information on upcoming classes, both live and online, new podcast episodes, and you can keep up to speed with everything that we're doing. If you like your updates in your inbox, you can go to corelifetraining.org and you can sign up for the email list. I promise I won't spam you. I won't sell your info to other weirdo creeps. I'll just give you updates and information on all things Core Life Training. Hey, man, thanks for checking this episode out. My name is Jeff Olson. I teach the Bible, and I will check you later.